Welcome to the Books of Titans podcast, where I seek truth in the world's best books. I'm your host, Eric Rostad, coming to you from the beautiful Books of Titans studio in Franklin, Tennessee. My goal is to read 52 books per year and share what I'm learning. I'll talk a bit about each book, tie ideas together from a variety of genres, and share the one thing I always hope to remember from each book. Today I'm going to cover Sir Gibby by George MacDonald. This is book 34 of 52 for my 2022 reading list. Well, my favorite author is C.S. Lewis, and C.S. Lewis's favorite author was George MacDonald, the author of this book. Further to that, C.S. Lewis called George MacDonald his master and said something along the lines of, you would be hard-pressed to, to, to find a book of Lewis's where you did not find traces of, of MacDonald. Lewis also made this comment about MacDonald. He said that he knew hardly any other writer who seems to be closer or more continuously close to the spirit of Christ himself. End quote. I've, I've, I've thought about that a lot, and, and I was kind of wondering what Lewis meant by that, and in, in the sense of what would that look like in literature? What would that look like in someone's writing, that they would be close, like that, that he knew of no one closer or more continuously close to the spirit of Christ himself? And Lewis, Lewis was, was widely read. I mean, he, he read everybody. So for him to make that statement about this author in particular, what was it about George MacDonald that made him say that? And, and I think I have the answer after having read this book, Sir Gibby. So let me put it this way. In, in the last episode of the podcast, I covered a book called The Truth and Beauty by Andrew Clavin. And in the introduction to that book, uh, Andrew Clavin shares some, some, questions and concerns he has with the sayings of Jesus. And so this is what he says. When he said, take up your cross, did he really mean you should seek out suffering? Because that seems like a really bad idea to me. And when he said, give all your money to the poor, was he talking to me specifically? Because I won't. And more to the point, I don't really deep down believe I should. What did he mean by be perfect like your father in heaven is perfect? I sure hope it it wasn't what it sounds like he meant. End quote. Sir Gibby is an answer to those questions. What would it look like for someone to truly live out the words of Jesus, the sayings of Jesus, what Jesus said? What, what would it look like if someone truly lived that out in their life? And the life of Gibby is the answer. And I bet you can count on one hand the number of people that you know who actually live that way, who live like this character, Sir Gibby, in this book. Uh, the people we see on TV, the people we see on the ends of the polit- political spectrums, they are not even close. Uh, Sir Gibby is filled with with different people of, uh, like ministers and, and different religious people, and they are not even close to how Sir Gibby lives his life. And so this book is a story of, of Sir Gibby. It's a novel, and the narrator has a, a somewhat limited insight into into what's happening. Uh, He knows externally everything that's happening, but can't go into like Gibby's head to tell you what's what's going on there. Um, But but when we meet Sir Gibby, uh, he is eight years old and he's he's looking in a sewer to try to find a lost earring for his friend. And he finds it and Gibby is starving. Uh, But instead of of selling this earring and getting money, he he is faithful to his friend and returns this earring. So right away we get insight into to to Gibby that despite the the pain in his own life, the hunger, the poverty, he he is not going to he's not going to do the wrong thing to 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 get food. 
Uh, Gibby's father is an alcoholic, and his mother has has died long ago when when we meet him. Um, his father dies as well, and Gibby goes that that sets Gibby on this journey out away from the city and into the countryside. And there he comes in contact with a variety of different people, situations, and and we see Gibby in living and and being in all of these different circumstances. And we see a a boy turn into a man and <clears throat> just have this purity and unselfishness and uh, just this heart full of love. And and it's really amazing to to read it and and see him in all these different situations. This book reminded me so much of Jaber Crow by Wendell Berry. Uh, I randomized my reading order at the beginning of each, each year, so it was quite remarkable that that the, these two books ended up right next to each other in my reading list. So I read Jaber Crow first, and then uh, Sir Gibby right after that. I, I would be shocked if Wendell Berry has not read this book. There were a lot of similarities in, in the two books, and, and if you end up reading either Jaber Crow or Sir Gibby, I, I do... Uh, suggest that you read both of them together. Uh, my wife recently heard somebody say that Wendell Berry is the modern day George MacDonald. So that gives some some perspective into into George MacDonald. I, I, it it kind of helped me, me place him as well. This is the type of, the, of book uh, where I found myself wanting to be the main character. And in, in the episode about Jaber Crow, I said the same same thing. George MacDonald is, is the master of of flipping things and flipping characters. So the people that you think should be living a certain way aren't living that way at all. And the people that you maybe wouldn't expect to be living a certain way are the ones that are, are living that way. And uh, McDonald's insight into humanity, into, into people, uh, our motivations, is is so deep and is, is so incredible. And the way he contrasts characters is so good. Uh, he he. There, there's one section in particular where he's contrasting a character Fergus with another character Don Donal, and these character they're they're. I, Fergus is kind of the the guy you don't want to be, and and I'm reading this and I, and I'm seeing parts of myself in this Fergus, and I I just feel my my face getting red and and just being ashamed of those things. And yet also seeing Gibby or seeing Janet, one of the other characters, and, and just also noticing this deep desire to want to be like them, to want to live like they live and, and believe like they live, believe like they believe. Uh, so it's, it's just, it's amazing. I, I, I love novels for that reason. Just, it, it, it kind of it reaches past all these barriers in your brain to show you your own motivations, your own thought process, and and to, to to really to expose you. And this book did that over and over and over again. And it's painful. It's it's like you're being dissected in a way, but it's also very very good. Uh, George MacDonald is is my wife's favorite author as well. And in fact, when we started dating. The first book she ever bought me was was one by George MacDonald. Uh, this is the fourth book that I've read by him, and I, I like doing so because uh, I, I do feel like I get closer to my wife. I, she's I think she's read nearly every book that he that George MacDonald has has ever written. Uh, so it, it's just fun to to dig into that side of things as well. 
I, I say all this because there's a lot going on when I, when I'm reading McDonald, um, from him being my wife's favorite, from him being C.S. Lewis's favorite, from, uh, just all the things that are going on when you're, when you're reading this novel and, and, you know, see, seeing your own heart and mind exposed that there's so much going on, but the thing I love the most about McDonald is the simplicity. It's like going back to the basics, the basics of faith, the basics of life. I, I, and, and I got this in, in, uh, Jaber Crow as well by Wendell Berry, but just the, not the negative kind of simplicity, but the, the beautiful kind of simplicity, the, the basics of love, the basics of faith. And, and I know that sounds cheesy, but, but it's true. And you, you really need to read this guy. And this book is a great place to start if you have not read any McDonald. As for reading stats, this is a 513-page book. It, it, it took me 16 hours and 43 minutes to read, and that was over a 15-day period from August 7 through 20 the 21st. Uh, so that averaged out to about 34 pages per day. Now for the rest of this episode, uh, there'll be two more segments. The next segment, I'm going to cover three different things that, uh, in, in ideas and in, in sections that really stuck out to me. And then in the final segment, uh, I will end it like I do my other episodes where I cover the one thing, my one key takeaway from Sir Gibby. Well, if hearing about Sir Gibby sparks a desire in you to want to read it, I would ask you to purchase it from Landmark Booksellers. I will link to uh, the place where you can buy it right in the show notes for this episode. But I am the business manager there, and we have a, a version of the book that is is new. And the reason I mention it is that a lot of people get stuck with George MacDonald because they can't get past some of the dialect in the book. And it's because the di- the some of the back and forth is written in Scott's Doric, and it's nearly impossible to to understand what is going on without just spending a lot of time on it. So people have this desire to get into George MacDonald, and then and then they get to one of his books, and then they just put it aside because they can't understand what is being said. The version that I read and the version that we have at Landmark Booksellers is one in which David Jack translates it. And so the, the sections that are in Scott's Doric, you'll actually see it on the left side of the page. And then on the right side of the page, he has the English translation of that Scott's Doric. So it makes just for easy reading. If you are interested in seeing what the original Scott's Doric would have looked like, you can, you can easily see that as well. And then that helps you just get through those sections that most people get stuck on. So um, yeah, check it out in the show notes. I'll have a link. And then if you use Books of Titans as a coupon code, that'll give you 10% off of your order of the book. Now in segment two here, I do want to cover three things that stuck out to me. And this was actually hard to put together because there were so many good parts of this book. There were many good sentences, a lot of good paragraphs, a lot of good stories and, and, and things that would have been fun and excellent to highlight in this section. But here are three that, that, that reached the top that stuck out the most. And the first is uh, McDonald's descriptions of one of the characters whose name is Janet. Now, Janet takes Sir Gibby in after Gibby has, has left the city and, and uh, come out to the countryside. And she is a woman of deep faith. And McDonald's descriptions of her are so rich and beautiful. 
it just, I, I wanted to be like her. The, the more I read about her and the more I learned about her. So here are two different parts about her that, uh, that I really enjoyed. The first is this. Not for years and years had Janet been to church. She had long been unable to walk so far. In having no book but the best, and no help to understand it but the highest, her faith was simple, strong, real, all-pervading. Day by day she poured over the great gospel. I mean, just the good news, according to Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, until she had grown to be one of the noble ladies of the kingdom of heaven, one of those who inherit the earth and are ripening to see God. For the master in his mind and hers was her teacher. She had little or no theology save what he taught her, or rather, what he is. And of any other than that, the less the better. For no theology except the the theologos is worth the learning, no other being true." End quote. And the other one is this. For her soul was alive and rich, and out of her soul, not education or habit, came the smallest of her vir- virtues. End quote. And I love that one. That, that one ties together a lot of um, things I've talked about on this, on this podcast with other episodes. Uh, but there, there's so much talk of, of putting the right habits in place and, and to, to kind of guide your life in, in a certain direction. And I, I just love this quote, for her soul was alive and rich and out of her soul, not education or habit came the smallest of her virtues. So the virtues came from a different place of, of trying to, to manipulate them or, or be educated into virtues. It, it, came from a, it came from a soul level as opposed to an education or, or habit level. All right, the second thing that stuck out to me was uh, different sections about poetry. And I have poetry on the mind from that book I mentioned earlier, The Truth and Beauty. And so these sections stuck out quite a bit in this book. And so here, here's the first one. It is a ruinous misjudgment, too contemptible to be asserted, but not too contemptible to be acted upon, that the end of poetry is publication. Its true end is to help first the man who makes it along the path to the truth. Help for other people may or may not be in it. That, if it be, become a question at all, must be an after one. To the man who has it, the gift is invaluable, and in proportion as it helps him to be a better man, it is of value to the whole world." End quote. I love that. The, the, the purpose of poetry is not to be published. The purpose, the purpose of poetry, the true end, is to help first the man who makes it along the path to the truth. So poetry should first be for yourself to, to help you consider and, and hone your idea of truth. Not to, to publish it and to get it out in the world, but to help you consolidate your thoughts, to help you in your pursuit of truth. I thought that was a really cool idea. Second part of, of the poetry thing here is this. For the very essence of poetry is truth. And as soon as a word's not true, it's not poetry, though it may wear its clothes. That tied in well with a, a quote I shared last week from Owen Barfield, where he talks about poetry being the connection point between the physical and the spiritual. So again, for the very essence of poetry is truth. And as soon as a word's not true, it's not poetry, though it may wear its clothes. And the third thing that stuck out to me in Sir Gibby was 
I'm labeling it absurdities. And I mentioned earlier, McDonald flips your expectations of characters. So it's the mute orphan who is doing the work that the minister should be doing while the ministers are wondering what they should be doing. And there is no better section in this book than, than this one. So setting the scene, uh, there's a group of people walking and the minister is part of this group walking and they're, they're walking over a bridge and there's this screaming happening under the bridge. And this is, this is what, where we come upon this section. Hearing the pitiful wailing of a child and the cough of a woman, as they went along a street bridge, they peeped over the parapet and saw upon the stair leading to the lower street, a woman with a child asleep in her lap, trying to eat a piece of bread and coughing as if in the last stage of consumption. On the next step below sat a man hushing in his bosom, the baby whose cry they had heard. They stood for a moment the minister pondering whether his profession required of him action. End quote. I mean, that is, that is so perfect. They stood for a moment, the minister pondering whether his profession required of him action. Of course it required of him action. There's a woman in need, there's a woman screaming, there's a woman starving who has a child, and down there there is a man helping, and the, the man ends up being Gibby. And so Gibby is, is, is down there doing the work that the minister should be doing, while the minister's on top of the bridge after just having had and eaten a fantastic meal. He is one, he's pondering whether his profession required of him action. And that is so brilliant. Not, not whether his humanity required it or his, his faith, but whether his profession, that, that's the level he was thinking at, if, is, if his profession required that of him. Now, that, that is the minister, Mr. Mr. Sclater, I think is, is how it's pronounced. And we get a lot of insight into Mr. Sclater and his wife in the book. And so I'm going to go back in the book now and, and just share a few things of, of what Mr. Sclater has, has t- uh, believed and uh, what, what he tries to get across to Gibby. And so here is the next, the, the next one. And this is uh, Mr. Sclater's wife talking to him. And she says, you really must, Mr. Sclater, teach him the absurdity of attempting to fit every point of his behavior to, to, to words, which were of course, quite suitable to the time when they were spoken, but which it is impossible to take literally nowadays. End quote. And, and so that's where um, Gibby, Gibby is taking the words of Jesus at fate, face value and, and just doing them and, and living that way. And here it, they're saying, you've got to tell him that that's, you can't do that. Like that those were words written for a different time. He's not supposed to do that. And, and this is, this is a minister. Like if anybody is supposed to be doing that, it should be him. And, and he, you know, he's going about saying, no, that that's not actually what you do. So here's another section as well. In obedience to the suggestion of his wife, Mr. Sclater did what he could to show Sir Gilbert how mistaken he was in imagining he could fit his actions to the word of our Lord. Shocked as even he would probably have been at such a character, uh, characterization of his attempt, it amounted practically to this. Do not waste your powers in the endeavor to keep the commandments of our Lord, for it cannot be done. And he knew it could not be done, and never meant it should be done. Later on, he said, In the whole of his lecture, through which ran from beginning to end a tone of reproof, there was not one flash of enthusiasm for our Lord, not a sign that to this his so-called minister he was a refuge or a delight, that he who is the joy of his father's heart, the essential bliss of the universe, was anything to the soul of his creature, who besides had taken upon him to preach his good news. End quote. So another section where... 
Mr. Sl- Slater, the 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 minister, is is telling Gibby and trying to get him to to stop living this way. And he says it's impossible. You can't do it. And and mean, meanwhile, Gibby is doing it. And then I think you see the full ramifications for that later on when when the minister is on top of the bridge looking down at this woman in need, hearing the cries and, and wondering if he's supposed to be doing anything while Gibby is actually down there doing something. The The way all that came together was was just brilliant. And yeah, I just, I, I love that. And, and just that pondering what his profession requires of him was so brilliant and how that was done. I know I said I'd cover three things. I, I just want to share one other um, paragraph uh, not a paragraph, just a few sentences. And this is on news. And you know that news is a big thing that I talk about in this podcast. And uh, I, I gave up news to to do this reading project. Um, and, and everything and every reason why is summed up in, in this section here. I must have books. I would get the newspapers sometimes, but not often, for they're a great loss of precious time. You see, they tell you the things before they're sure. And you have to spend your time today reading what you'll have to spend your time tomorrow reading out again. And you may as well wait till the thing's settled a bit. End quote. It was perfect. Just perfect. Well, if you're still listening this deep into the episode, boy, do I have a surprise for you. I'm about to share the one secret of life and development. And I'm not even kidding because that's what it says right here. The one secret of life and development. This is segment three. This is the segment where I cover my one key takeaway, the one thing I'm still thinking about. And so in works of nonfiction, that's usually, you know, something I try to implement in my life. If it is a work of fiction, it's usually the thing I'm still thinking about. And and this is the thing I'm still thinking about. And uh, what I'm about to share, I've, I've talked about in a lot of different episodes. I love how George MacDonald wrote about it here. But it's it's along the idea of daily habits. It's along the idea of the small decisions that we make on a daily basis. And it, oftentimes, it's about the hidden choices that we make. The the choices that we make when no one's looking. The choices that ultimately define the, the direction of our life. And my, my one thing from Sir Gibby was a paragraph that was just startling in his description of these things. So I'm going to read uh, parts of this paragraph. It's kind of long, so I'm just going to kind of skip around. Uh, but, but please try to stick with me because this is, this is just gold. And I give you this, the secret of life. No man can order his life, for it comes flowing over him from behind. But if it lay before us and we could watch its current approaching from a long distance, what could we do with it before it had reached the now? In likewise, a man thinks foolishly who imagines he could have done this and that with his own character and development if he had but known this and that in time. The one secret of life and development is not to devise and plan, but to fall in with the forces at work, to do every moment's duty aright that being the part in the process allotted to us, and let come, not what will, for there is no such thing, but what the eternal thought wills for each of us, has intended in each of us from the first. If men would but believe that they are in process of creation, in consent to be made, let the maker handle them as the potter his clay. End quote. 
this ties in very well with another sentence just a few pages before that where it says this until our small services are sweet with divine affection our great ones if such we are capable of will ever have the true christian flavor about them let me read that one more time. Until our small services are sweet with divine affection, our great ones, if such we are capable of, will ever have the true Christian flavor about them. End quote. So that gets that ties in with the means versus ends discussion that I've had on, on a lot of episodes, uh, and, and especially after reading Robert Caro's LBJ series, which is all about means and ends. Could the the evil means that LBJ took to get to the presidency, would they somehow redeem everything once he got to the presidency? Uh, and just take a look around right now. I mean, is is it okay to have bad means to get to a, a desired or, or, or what you, what one thinks of as a good end. And, and I just love how this is, is put here. Until our small services are sweet with divine affection, the great ones are not going to even happen. And that ties in with this larger paragraph that I read. In the one secret of life and development is not to devise and plan, but to fall in with the forces at work, to do every moment's duty aright. So uh, in, in the episode where... I, I talked about Rembrandt is in the wind by, by Russ Ramsey. He, he talked about the good Samaritan and who is the neighbor? Well, your neighbor is, is whoever you come across on the road, you know, as, as you're going about, as you're living, do, do this. And this is, this is what we're seeing here to fall in, not to devise and plan, but to fall in with the forces at work to do every moment's duty right. And that is how Sir Gibby lived. That, that, that's the example you see throughout this book. He's doing every moment's duty aright. He's not philosophizing about it. He's not, he's not overthinking about it. He's not sitting on the top of the bridge wondering if his profession is the one that should be helping a woman in need. He's down there helping. And I, I loved that about this book. I loved that about this paragraph. But this paragraph is, is a, a succinct description of the 500 pages of this book and what you're seeing happen and, and play out. And, and that's the beauty of it. You, you see Sir Gibby in, in different roles in different, in diff, among different people uh, in different situations, but doing that very thing, not, not planning and strategizing how he's, he's going to live the right way and, and have the right habits and that kind of thing. But just looking at every, every small decision, just doing what's in front of him. In, do, in doing that the right way. To recap, Lewis, C.S. Lewis wrote that he hardly knew of any other writer who was as close to the spirit of Christ. And if, if you want to get to know what Lewis meant by that statement, read this novel. If you enjoy reading novels where you see yourself in characters and, and watch as an author perfectly dissects your own mind and heart and motivations, then read this book. I said this about Jaber Crow, and I'll say it about this book as well. But when, when, at least when I read this book, I, I felt a shift happening inside of me. Uh, things started to click, ideas started to click. Uh, ideas that I thought required extensive explanation and understanding are just laid bare for their simplicity and practicality. And, and that's what is so beautiful about this book and, and also about Jaber Crow. I, I would say to, to stick with it, I, I had trouble in the first hundred pages. 
and it took about a hundred pages to get into it. And then it, and then it just flowed very well. So if, if it's taking a while, just stick with it. Um, you need some of that initial part to, to, to really get into the book. That's going to do it for this episode. Thank you for listening. If you have read, have you, if you've read Sir Gibby or if you've read other George MacDonald, I would love to hear from you. You can email me at eric at booksoftitans.com. Let me know what you thought about this book. Uh, maybe some things that you got out of it that I didn't mention. I, I would love to hear those things. Uh, I, 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 I truly, truly, I, I love to hear from you if if you listen to this uh, to this podcast and um, if if you get something out of it. It it it's very special. I, it's one of the reasons I started this project was just to connect to other people who are reading the same books. Please buy this book from Landmark. Uh, for the reasons I shared before, where this this version is a special version, uh, but it also just helps me know if 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 the books that I'm talking about, if if that's encouraging you to read it as well. Uh, remember to use Books of Titans as the coupon code, and that'll give you 10% off. And that is the best way that you can support this podcast. You you can follow Books of Titans on Instagram or Twitter. Uh, you can also go to the website, sign up for the newsletter there, and just see a bunch of, of good information on how to create your own reading list and find good books to read. I'll be back in a week or two with another book from this year's reading list. Until then, keep reading, keep learning, and keep listening. I'm out. Thank you.